Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I think summer's really here. We're having to get up earlier and earlier to get in the miles we need. Maybe you too. Uh, but also, you're doing some other things. We're going to talk about that coming up in a minute, your off-season pursuits. But our primary topic today will be tailgate exam. Yeah, what you're doing to take care of your dog right after a hunt. I've been uh, writing a lot about that. Uh, Just cut a video for Midway USA on the topic so you can watch it there very soon. And uh, just think this is a good time to kind of cover all that stuff, mainly because you might need to train for a little bit of it. So we'll be covering the tailgate exam coming up in just a few moments. And I asked a question on Facebook, what's in your truck that uh, somebody else might not have thought of? So you're helping out your fellow hunters being prepared. And uh, some of the answers are number one, helpful. And number two, very interesting. So stick around for all of that right here on the Upland Nation podcast made possible by Joy Dog Food, MidwayUSA.com, Trulock Choke Tubes, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, Pointer Shotguns, and Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products. Yeah, uh, we're still working on some... You know, it's funny. You have to go back to square one quite often. Uh, This is not square one. (laughs) I've talked enough about that with Flick's retrieving and that kind of wall he hits at a certain distance. But this is different. And this is one I've worked on a lot in the past, and I hope to be um, <clears throat> taking advantage of, if uh, nothing else, in the in the future. And that is stopping to shot. Flick is good at stopping to a flush. He's good at stopping to a hand signal and to the command "whoa." But one of the other things that I'd like him to do, and and for a bunch of reasons, and I'll explain a couple maybe, is when he hears a gun go off, I want him to stop, look to me, so that if somebody else shot a wild flush or if I shot a bird and he hadn't pointed it because he was somewhere else, then he can take some direction from me and maybe, maybe retrieve the dang thing. Or go on from there you know uh, but the signal is boom the command implied by that is stop look at the boss seems to be working pretty well i got to be careful especially as we're out there early in the morning yeah we got some neighbors but we go out far enough to where uh, at least a blank pistol at this stage uh, isn't so offensive to everybody and it's not like i'm up at the crack of the crack of dawn i'm all on the far end of that so everybody's probably up drinking coffee anyhow so that's what we're working on you are working on all sorts of other stuff yeah i just conspired with my buddy who's in that facebook photo uh we're fly fishing small creeks again very soon probably going to be backpacking into one of those in uh, august so i'll keep you posted maybe even take some pictures but you are doing all sorts of fascinating things. Lance Larson out there when it's 100 degrees in Arizona doesn't spend a lot of time outside. He keeps custom wood carving and building those three-string guitar, no, three-string cigar box guitars. Yeah, I love mine. Thanks a lot, Lance. It's 
wonderful. Now, if I could only master the three strings, half as many as a regular guitar, twice as hard for this guy. Morgan Walker is just pining for hunting season to start up again. David Gilbertson, fishing at Subtle Lake, uh, where the bride is definitely the captain. I understand that for sure. Jeff Weiland, or is it Weiland? You tell me. Fishing Central Oregon, Stillwater, Trout. Uh, I won't reveal all of your locations, but I know some of those. <laughs> One of my rods is probably still at the bottom in Crane Prairie for that. No, it was actually somebody else's rod. I don't feel quite as bad now. Uh, Jack Reynolds Hunt. I hunt when I can't fish, and I can fish pretty much year-round. So I guess hunting would be his off-season activity, he says. He does uh, trials and tests with his labs, too, and that's a, that'll keep your sanity or destroy it. David Balzaretti, wish I could say this, fly fishing anywhere in Montana. Yes, indeed. Love the Madison to death. No, not really, but had some great times there. Well, the first, well actually, the first high-definition fishing show of any kind I shot near Ennis, Montana. That was a while back. <laughs> uh, Betty Blackman doing the same. Maybe you two ought to get together, David. Betty. Oh, she's in Maine. Never mind. George Cummins. <clears throat> training season all the time with Samson. Uh, I get it. And John Salfisberg. Are you just are you just boasting there? That's a beautiful picture of a caught trout. <laughs> and uh, I wish I could show you one of mine, but I just haven't got any yet. All right, we're uh, getting warmed up here at the Upland Nation podcast. We will be talking about, um, well, everything from the gnarliest cover that you have negotiated or not to what's in your truck, as well as that tailgate exam. It's all coming up in just a moment. First, we are brought to you by PointerShotguns.com. Just got to remind you that all of their shotguns have a seven-year warranty. Ask around. I doubt you'll find that in a lot of places. Second off, that new side-by-side, I got one in case coloring. Uh, Beautiful, really cool. If you didn't see the unboxing video, it's on YouTube right now. So take a look. I'll give you a close-up there, and I'll be doing some more in that regard. And it's also being featured in some other videos. Check it all out at PointerShotguns.com. Find a nearby retailer. Shop the models and the prices. Uh, watch some of my other videos and articles there. And, uh, yeah, get serious about a new shotgun. This is the time of year to pick one up. And we're also brought to you by Joy Dog Food. This company's been in business for 75 years. Family-owned and operated. They take pride in what they do. 100% American ingredients and fixed formulas. So they're not swapping things out without you knowing about it. They are sticking to the good stuff and not cheaping out. Located in feed stores throughout the U.S., Joy Dog Food. Put some joy in your dog's life. Joydogfood.com. Yeah, every time every time I don't do it, I regret it. Uh, this is how I discovered a gash on a Buddy about ten years ago. The only upside of that was I learned how to use a surgical stapler. <laughs> he had uh, he had landed on a berry bush that had um, 
<clears throat> hidden a an old barbed wire fence. I took a quick look when I lifted him off, couldn't find anything, sent him back right in front of the camera. Of course, he pointed a coil right after that, so life is good. But that night, um, he was licking on his the inside of his back leg, and sure enough, there's a you know about a two inch triangle of uh, a flap of skin. You know, I get chills just thinking about it. I'm not big on that stuff, but when pressed, I can do what I need to do. Anyhow, um, if I had done a tailgate exam on Buddy after that hunt, I probably would have found, even I would have found it, um, and we could have taken care of it then and there. As it was, uh, it was a late-night rush to the veterinarian, and uh, yeah, after a whole bunch of fiddle-faddling, we got him fixed up, and... Uh, yeah, appreciate the vet coming in in the middle of the night for all of that. But anyhow, we're good to go. Uh, one lesson in why tailgate exams are such an important aspect of taking care of your dog. You know why? Not just because it keeps him healthy, but it could add a day or a month to your season. Imagine if you didn't catch something and your dog thus was debilitated for the rest of the season. Could be anything. Could be a broken toenail. Missing toenail. Don't get me started on that one. There are any number of things that you can catch and deal with when they're small problems. Yeah, an ounce of prevention. Instead of a big problem, a pound of cure. Yep. Even better than bad shooting. All right. So I've broken it down to three or four bits and so I'll uh, start with the basics and then we'll go into the three or four main categories. First off, you don't need a tailgate. In fact, my my new canopy on my pickup truck uh, uh, means I had to take the tailgate off because the whole back of that canopy opens up. Anyway, picnic table, hotel room, bed, doesn't matter. Put your dog off the ground. The reason for that is number one, He's a little less confident. He'll probably hold still a little bit better. There's the training thing. And then it puts all the stuff you need to inspect at about eye level. I know, I know, maybe you youngsters out there, but still there's, a, there's, a, there's value to looking up at a dog's belly. Unless your dog is so cooperative, he'll lay down and roll over. I've never had one of those. So... Remember, that's one aspect of this uh, practice makes perfect thing. The poking and prodding is something a dog doesn't really cotton to unless he's been trained to it. Introduce everything slowly from a distance, just like training uh, an obedience command, for example. Take it slow. Be gradual about it. If you're putting your hands on your dog, make sure he sees your hands first and that you're moving nice and deliberately so he understands you're there to help, not hurt. He'll be a lot happier. Yeah, it won't help your bum knee, but it's one more way to bond at the end of the day with your dog. I mean, he worked that hard for you. Couldn't you take a few minutes, and that's all it takes, a few minutes, to make sure he's healthy and he sleeps well that night and he's ready to show up for work the next day, happy and eager 
to hit the ground running, literally. All right, first step, the coat, your dog's suit of armor. Your coat and your skin are the things that protect you. Besides that, you know, cliche, the, the largest organ in your body is your skin. Um, it's going to protect your dog from all the bad stuff out there unless something goes haywire. Put down the cold beer, wait for a few minutes, and start at the nose tip and go to the tail. Or go the other direction, it doesn't matter. I start at the front because I think dogs like to know what you're doing. So if you're up there and he can see everything for a while, and then you gradually are working your way back, they're a lot more comfortable. Okay, so start at the front. You're looking for scratches, cuts, blood, bear patches, lumps. Cover it all, toes to top, nose tip to tail. Check the underside, belly, chest, armpits, or whatever we call them. The, you know, his crotch, all of those things. That's where the bad stuff hides. Whether it's weeds and sticks in their uh, fur, scratches and cuts. Take a good long look. There's no reason to rush here. Pick out any of those mean seeds that could penetrate skin and work their way to an internal organ or an eye. We were making a show down in, uh, I always forget this, was it southwest Kansas or northeast Colorado, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we were hunting with a pointer there, and, uh, and the guy kept calling her one-eyed Molly, and sure enough, she only had one eye, and that's because one of those uh, foxtail seeds had gotten under her skin, worked its way out through the eye. Ew, if that's not motivation for doing a tailgate exam, I don't know what is. Push back that hair, you know, go against the grain and check for bugs and ticks and, you know, those bean seeds again. I can't make a big enough deal about those. They're everywhere. They may have different names, but they all do the same terrible things to your dog. While the dog is standing, stroke all the way down the spine. Put a little pressure on that spine. Just a little. Make sure everything's functioning okay. Look for hot spots. Yeah, touch your dog in all the joints and make sure there's nothing that's unusually warm. Flex all their joints to make sure they're functioning correctly. And then this colorblind guy who can't see blood on a wire hair coat checks his bare hands for blood after doing that. While you're at it, have that dog stand still. Pinch the skin between his shoulder blades. You know, at the withers there. Pull it up a little, then let it loose. It should snap right back and lay flat. If it doesn't, your dog's probably dehydrated. Take care of that now, and then take care of that during the hunt the next day. All right, if uh, the coat is the suit of armor, then his feet are his uh, four-wheel drive knobby off-road tires. Make sure your dog is nice and calm. And again, you want to train for this if you're not doing it regularly, whether it's for nail trimming or anything else like pad care during the off-season. 
relax your dog, pet him, soothe him, make sure he sees your hands. I always start with a front foot because he can see my hand, go to his foot, he can see his foot, and everybody's happy. But before you pick anything up, take a careful look at each foot while he's putting weight on it. Just take a look. You don't need to pick it up. Look for stuff between his toes. Look for whether he's favoring one foot. Look for blood, redness, swelling, nail damage. You can see all of that without bothering the dog yet because you know what happens if there is a problem and you reach for it immediately. Yeah, I've been to that rodeo. Check it visually before you lift up a potentially injured foot. Then, and again, these are things I've learned the hard way, so hopefully you don't have to. When I'm going to lift up a foot, I start, for example, a front foot, I start at his shoulder, and I just slowly bring my hand down all the way to the foot. And then I'll gently lift it up. And if you do that that way, what he does is he shifts his weight to the other three legs, and you can lift up that foot, and he won't topple over, and he won't try to get away most of the time, especially if you've trained him. Gently... Uh, probe between the pads, pull out the seeds, there's mud balls, sticks, other gunk like that in there. And I mean get in there good and deep. You know, the biggest problems end up being the hidden ones that are at the deepest part of some of those pads, for example, between the toes. Check the deep cleft between the two middle toes. It's Yeah, it's, it's a goodly portion deeper than the outside ones. Look for scrapes. Look for all the stuff that's jammed in where the nails meet the toes. Torn and broken nails. Check the underside. Go into the pads and feel for them in those creases and, uh, you know, the front edge, the leading edge and the sides of all of those. Check the juncture again uh, where the nails uh, underneath meet the pad. All of those are places where tears are not so obvious. Peeling skin on the pad is not as obvious. And those are the things that end up becoming problematic the more you ignore them. Okay. Pads are good, right? Check the whole leg for swelling and redness. Then double check that what's called the tarsal pad. That's, a, you know, I'll call it the thumb. And on the front, it's only on the front legs. It's the one below the, the what I'll call the knee joint. I know you veterinarians out there are going to call it something else, but you know the one I mean. Uh, make sure that that hasn't peeled. In fact, uh, with the with a kind of the pad regimen, pad care regimen that I use, um, the only place we got a peeling pad last season was on one of those tarsal pads, and it's because I didn't even think about taking care of them. Now I do. All right, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, uh, relating to you my version of the tailgate exam so that uh, Maybe your dog will give you, a, you know, an extra day, an extra week of season next year because you've caught something in its earliest stages. Uh, we've got a lot more to come here, including in our second half, your comments on, uh, let's see, what are we going to talk about? What's in your truck? And then also the gnarliest cover that you have experienced personally. 
But first, let's finish the tailgate exam with the steering wheel, the dog's head. Yeah. And maybe you've heard this before. Um, I heard it first in, in a horse context, but I've also heard it recently in a dog context. The way the dog's head is pointing is the way the dog is going to go. So let's keep it tuned up. Again, your dog is a little bit leery of hands coming at their face. So train for it. Move slowly, telegraph everything. No surprises when it comes to dealing with their head. Eventually, they'll get to tolerating it. and Maybe some dogs even enjoy it, especially if you're doing some stroking and talking softly and that sort of thing at the same time. Start in the ears because most dogs will let you look deep into them. Check for seeds, ticks, dirt, uh, who knows what else can get in there. Um, I, um, I will also give a good sniff in both ears because that's, if you smell something funny, that's a start of perhaps an infection, a mite infestation, something like that. Now, I don't use tools in a dog's ear. If anything gets so deep that I have to use a tool for it, I'm going to the veterinarian because my dog is not that trustworthy. If I get something metal or sharp in there and he freaks out, it's going to be worse. I've even had a veterinarian who's broken an eardrum on a dog before, so even they would like to have a sedative of one sort or another. Yeah, all right, so you think you got something deep in there, you're probably not going to be able to get it out, but you can help your dog a little bit by dropping a few um, uh, drips of uh, a vegetable oil of some sort in there to soften up whatever it is until you can get to the veterinarian and they can get it out. Check the ear leather, you know, the big part for cuts and scrapes. Don't freak out. There's a lot of blood vessels there. I've I've had dogs with cut ears that look like uh, one of the Manson slayings. So um, take a good look at it. It probably can benefit from your first aid. You might have to immobilize the ear with a big bandage around his head for a while so he doesn't keep shaking and breaking the skin again. But that's easy enough to deal with. All right. I told you about smells. Uh, we'll go from the ears to the mouth. I want you to check every aspect of that dog's mouth. And that means he's got to learn how to open his mouth and keep it open without, first off, biting you. Second off, um, not letting you get deep in there. Whether he's inhaled something or something just went his way in, for example, a mean seed between a tooth and the gums. Those are the things you find when you give your dog a good mouth look. <laughs> At our house, it requires a little bit of holding my breath sometimes, but it's worth it again because those, those are the things that you don't find until it's too late and there's an abscess or worse. It's disgusting, but you could also find a tick in there. And word to the wise, that's where the one porcupine quill will be that you forgot about or you can't get out. So look carefully inside, roof of the mouth, tongue, under the tongue, all the teeth, all the gums. 
lift up those, uh, the plues, they call them, I think, the sides of their mouth, that loose, floppy skin, so you get a good, careful look. Look at the entire muzzle. Yep, only on my sister's new white carpet did Bill, 30 years ago, sneeze out a four-inch stick. Bloody, of course. Peel back the, not literally, uh, all right, brush back the hair to find cuts and scrapes. More ticks, more seeds, all that stuff that um, we can't see until we can get down to the bare skin. All right, and we finish with the eyes. The window to our soul and your dog's as well, but also a magnet for all that crap your dog runs into in a hunt. This is what I love about wire hairs. Yeah, finally, the mustache, beard, those bushy eyebrows. Their purpose in large part is to cut that stuff off at the pass, intercept it before it gets actually into the eye. And it works. So first thing you want to do is get all the stuff out of there instead of letting it fall in while you're working on the eyeball, for example. So get all the stuff out between the, you know, between the two eyebrows and, and all the other hairy parts. Then train your dog carefully to let you take a good close look at his eye. It starts with shading his face so he's not squinting working against you then gently put your hands on him and pull the eyelids apart just a little bit you don't have to open them a lot just open them enough to where you can get a look inside look at the bottom one look for stuff especially in the corner the inside corner of the eyes do the same for the top so you might have to tilt his head or bend over a little bit more again a great reason to have him up on a tailgate or something else. All right, most of the stuff that you find in there you can get out yourself. You can uh, train him to put up with a gentle squirt of distilled water that'll wash out a lot of that stuff. The other thing I do is I take a uh, cotton swab and I'll tease out some of the cotton so it's just a little wisp on the end. And I can usually get most of that stuff in there to stick to that and then pull it right back out. Now if while you're doing all of this you see a lump under that third eyelid, what do they call that? The nictating membrane I think is what it's called. That ain't for you buddy. Unless your dog is a tolerant, patient dog, that's a job for the veterinarian. Take care of his eyes, he can see your hand signals better and he'll be much more comfortable. You know the indications. He's scratching at his eyes, rubbing his face on the ground, whatever it is. All those things tell you something funny is happening in his eyes. Train for it, and you could solve most of those problems. All right, that's my tailgate exam. If you want to learn more about it, uh, upcoming uh, article and video at MidwayUSA.com. Get a good close look at how I do it some of the techniques and methods I use. It all will be there very soon. In the meanwhile, there's your first crack at it. We have much more to come here at the Upland Nation podcast. Your comments on the gnarliest cover you've ever battled through and also a helpful hint or two on what's in your truck right after this.
We're brought to you by Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. You know, all the instructors there are bird hunters and dog owners. Yeah, how many times can you find that? If you're in Western Oregon or passing through, take a look at some of the instructional opportunities there. Then there's some incredible shooting just for fun stuff. And I'm reminding again of how important that fellowship is. I was out with Rob and his sons last weekend. We were shooting at our local course, but at Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, you've got everything out there from trap, skeet, five stand, and now sporting clays and helice. Some people call that ZZ Bird. Look it up. It's the funnest game around. ZZ Bird or Helice is the newest addition to the ranges at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. Learn more about them and their instructional opportunities at midvalleyclays.com. And yes, it's sale season. If you're not on the list at sageandbreaker.com, you're going to miss out. Sign up for the mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. You'll get advance notice of all the future sales and all the new products, including the second run of that new range bag. Yeah, sold out. I can understand why. It's beautiful. Heirloom product stuff for gun cleaning, care, and transportation, and related stuff. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Got a nice note from uh, Rodney Ott, which reminded me of our last uh, hunt together in South Dakota <clears throat> and some of the, uh, well, uh, I'm being kind when I call it gnarly cover that we had to deal with. It was hot. It was dry. And uh, so all the pheasants were in the shade and the cooler ground underneath a thicket of cattails. I don't care where we went, that's where the birds were. And it was so bad, even the dogs couldn't get through it. So I thought that'd be a fun question because you never know, you might learn from it, or at least you might be able to say, man, I'm glad I don't have to go through that. And it's true. <clears throat> so uh, I posed the question, and here are some of your answers. Well, for Wildfire Deacon, it's Midwest Cattail Marshes, yeah. Maybe uh, I passed you somewhere in one of those. We probably couldn't have told anyway. Um, Nathan Meek hunted an old clear cut along a creek bottom. Can't do that in Oregon anymore. You could hear the grouse flush half the time, but never saw any. <laughs> Ryan Cotrus, I think, considering I'm five foot eighteen inches. Get it, everybody. I usually get the privilege of tromping the cane grass and cattails that are over my head out here in South Dakota. Yeah, I know the, uh, I used to have to do a lot more of that brush busting when I was the heaviest guy in the team. Most of the time I'm not anymore. Mike Lalonde says, thick cattails enhanced with down trees and other constant trip hazards. Yeah, you know, out here we have um, Himalayan blackberries and sometimes they're very stealthy. Uh, you don't even know they're there until you quit lifting your feet up as high as you used to earlier in the day. And that's when it catches you. That's why I walk around with my gun open most of the time. <clears throat> Lance Larson, it was all about 
inexperienced dogs and choya cactus. Yeah, uh, yeah, been there, done that. Never again. No, thank you. Kevin Liebold says back in the 60s in Berks County, Pennsylvania, was multiflora rose thickets and the Sakani Creek near Crystal Cave, Pennsylvania. My dad said, push towards me, I'll be at the end. It was tough, but the pheasants were going out like crazy. Yeah, that's how you know it was back in the 60s in Pennsylvania, right, Kevin? Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, uh, yeah, Dave Tulin is out in that country. Dave, I'd love a report. You, you ever see a ringneck out there anymore? Um, Jake White, I bet. Cattails with reeds. Eric Copang, uh, sapling shrubs, two-day rough grouse hunt in northern New Hampshire. The foliage was so, so thick when I fell, my fall was fully arrested by the mass of plant life. <laughs> Never did hit the ground. That is so funny. Mark Opulencia, cockleburs. Oh, with an Airedale? Oh, my God. That's wor The only thing worse might be a golden doodle. That hair will catch everything, won't it? Well, good luck on that, Mark. I hope you're down to a short hair or a pointer now. Clear cuts with downfalls, briars, deep snow. That's Charles A. Lindquist Jr.'s nemesis. More clear cuts. I know you grouse and um, and woodcock guys love that stuff, but it does have a dark side. David Johnson chasing snowshoe hares in a cedar swamp. Yes. Okay, George Gomez, you and I are com compatible. Blackberries in Oregon. Thick willow cover in creek bottoms with thorns. Yes, indeed. You get the idea. Okay, one more. Scott Veeder, hunting in the Mojave Preserve north of Highway... Well, I'm not going to tell you where that is. If you don't know, maybe I'll see you there this fall. Gambles in the Choya Cactus. Yikes. Well, anyway... <laughs> Tim Newbrand, I'm going to just tell people. Yeah, they go to the go to the website. I mean, go to the Facebook page to know what it's really spelled like. But in Iowa, they call it Tucker Brush. Sort of. Good job, everybody. Love your comments. Uh, yeah, maybe in reviewing those experiences, you will be grateful that you won't have near as many this season. So. Uh, thanks a lot. We're uh, going to get more of your comments about what's in your truck for that next road trip coming up right after this from True Lock Choke Tubes. Learn more at truelockchokes.com. They got some new ones. They're constantly grabbing guns and making new choke tubes. The newest ones for a CZ1012 and a CZ912G3. If you got a Yildiz brand, Pro or Sporting HPS, Rizzini's BR110 Sporter and the TriStar 16 gauges. Well, they now got choke tubes for you. It's all at truelockchokes.com. Just go there, look up your gun. They have a long, long list, and now it's five or six guns longer. And they'll show you what they got in your gun's custom high-grade carefully engineered highest quality products in the market plus a factory identification code list so if you're trying to figure out what the heck those new choke tubes are you will know one notch is improved or whatever that's the idea truelockchokes.com your choke tube 
resource. And finally, your resource for all sorts of things. In fact, MidwayUSA.com carries just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Take my word for it, I'm wearing a sweatshirt from them, and I've got my crispy boots from them right now. You might be surprised at how much they have in the world of dog training and bird hunting. Take a long look at MidwayUSA.com. Of course, the founder, Larry Potterfield, dedicated quail hunter. You might have heard him on a recent um, podcast, for that matter. He knows what he's talking about, and he is doing his best to ensure that we have the stuff we need right there in one place. MidwayUSA.com I, I think we all learn every time somebody says, why aren't you carrying this, or what's in your vest? So I thought I'd ask a variation on the theme and uh, tell people, first off, one of the things I carry that maybe you hadn't thought about, um, and right now, before I forget, I'm also going to add uh, fire extinguishers to that list, but I suggested a bottle jack. Um, A lot easier to, pardon me, to use that than a lot of the other ways to lift your truck or move stuff. So I asked uh, you what you would use. What would what would you put in your truck besides that? First answer from Alan Cohn is um, a corollary. <laughs> Some 2 by 8 lumber to put under the bottle jack and give it a firm surface to push against. And then maybe a little bit more lumber to put between the bottle jack and the frame. Yeah, that way... You've got a few more inches of lift, which might come in real handy depending on what you're trying to get off, especially if you have big tires. Yeah, don't ask why I know that. Chris Ingram, thank you, Chris. Great idea. Uh, One of those tick removal tools. Already had to use it last week, he said. So, uh, yeah, be careful out there, everybody. And then uh, a lot of folks will carry doxycycline, he says, uh, to... uh, to get ahead of the curve if your dog has been bit. Uh, I think it's a kind of an antibiotic, I'm pretty sure. Talk to your veterinarian about it. Maybe you can get a preventive supply. Sabrina Serna, yeah, I'm doing the same thing now. And you know, it's coming in handy even in town. I keep a pair of binoculars uh, right on the dashboard, usually. Um, Always handy. Don't use them while you're driving, but to keep them handy for those red lights when you want to read the sign on what's going on over there or when you want to see if those are really pronghorns out there or are they just uh, mule deer uh, with their butt end showing. Uh, Vern Knapp, a high-lift handyman jack. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank the the ranch wife. I mean that in the best way. Out there in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, many years ago, she bailed my butt out of a fix with a with a high lift handyman jack. Um, Vern's list I- I includes a few other things: a chainsaw, an axe, a shovel, a booster pack for your battery that also has an air compressor, tire plug kit. Yep, two spare tires. Yep, a come along tow chain, two tow straps. Vern, I'm interested in that. And then uh, some of the usual stuff. But that is a great list. <laughs> Jay Chaplin says, you still have room for the dogs? Yeah, it all goes under the dog box, he says. Absolutely true. Great picture, too, by the way. Um, 
that's Vern's truck in the background. All the doors and windows are open. And then there's three or four dogs looking for trouble somewhere in the foreground. And I think they're probably about ready to find it. Uh, toe strap, thanks, Gary, for pulling your body out of, you know, sorry, Gary Lawley. Toe strap for pulling your buddy out of a ditch. Yeah, it might be good for your body too, but I'm not going to tell you that winch story. Um, Ryan Baumgartner says, uh, the most important thing to put in your truck is a field-bred Irish setter. Yeah, I can't argue that. Anybody else? No. R.C. Phillips uh, likes an FM radio, don't we all? Um, Or satellite radio? Um, Or maybe still a CB radio? Anybody still use those? I just came across my handheld versions of those not earlier this morning, and uh, I'm thinking about leaving them in the truck just in case. He's got chains. He's got a chainsaw, um, lumber for the bottle jack. Good. Mike, Michael Aguello, tire repair kit, compressor, battery jump box, and then the main point, getting stranded in the middle of nowhere sucks. <laughs> Vern Knapp gets a, a thumbs up from Ellen Macmillan, who says, yeah, of, among all the other things Vern Knapp brings, he brings moxie. Man, that brings back the memories. If you're from the East Coast, I bet you know what moxie is. If you don't, look it up. It'll be fun. And then next time you can find it, buy yourself a bottle. Great comments. That's... Um, that's our road trip segment for this week. It's all about the stuff that you ought to put in there so you can get in and then get right back out. Thanks, everybody. And thanks to all of you who have left ratings and reviews. And uh, particularly thank you to those sponsors who make all of this possible. Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Joy Dog Food, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, and TrueLockChokes.com. Without them and without you, this podcast just would not happen. Luckily, it does, and I appreciate it. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. Until next week, I'll see you at the range.